0: We're uh, studying Psalms 109 through 113. These are five psalms. Um, So um, a lot of ground to cover. We'll hit the high points. Um, But I think uh, these are psalms that just all uh, encourage and are really neat to look at. So we'll start off with Psalm 109. And um, this is a psalm that is talking about... um, the humil- humiliation of Christ, and it is actually a psalm that talks about Judas. So it's a messianic psalm because it's quoted in the New Testament. So let's jump in and see what this is all about. Verse one: Be not silent, O God, of my praise, for wicked and deceitful mouths are open against me, speaking against me with lying tongues. Can you relate to that? Have you ever uh, had a bunch of people uh, say stuff? about you that's not true, it doesn't feel good, does it? So again, it shows this is going to be a window into what Jesus felt, but again, this uh, again shows that Jesus felt all of the things, all the emotional things that sometimes we feel. And this is just another example. And of course, it's magnified by the fact that When he was on trial, people were lying against him and saying all kind of things, implying that Jesus was uh, doing evil when he really wasn't. Verse 3, They encircled me with words of hate and attacked me without cause. Have you ever felt that way too? People just attack you for no good reason. They just hate you for no good reason because they don't know who you are. Well, these people didn't know who Jesus was either. And they misunderstood Jesus, and so when they misunderstood him, they wanted to uh, take advantage of him. When they wanted to take advantage of him and put him down, they realized they couldn't do it. And then, as they realized that they couldn't do it, and that he was so much greater than they were by his actions and words and deeds, made they made it. it they uh, it made them hate him even more. Verse four: In return for my love. They accuse me. So the more Jesus gave love, the more some of these people would accuse him more and more. So that's what Jesus got. Have you ever felt that way? When you give somebody a good turn or you do something good and, you know, they don't even acknowledge what you do for them. That's a terrible feeling. That's just terrible to feel that way. But, you know, Jesus had to feel that. And then he said, but I give myself to prayer. So the more people accused him or were deceitful to him or were lying about him or just returning all of his good works and love with, with jealousy and hatred, Jesus prayed even more. Again, another window into the way Jesus dealt with some of that stuff. Verse 5, so they rewarded me evil for good and hatred for my love. Okay, so again, that's the bottom line of what happened For these people. Verse 6. Appointed a wicked man against him. Let an accuser stand at his right hand. When he is tried, let him come forth guilty. Let his prayer be counted as sin. Now, they're talking about this wicked man, this accuser, Judas, who would be um, uh, actually who led uh, the, the, the Romans to Jesus. Verse 8, may his days be few. May another take his office. Now, another take his office uh, points to over in Acts chapter 1. This is after uh, Jesus was put to death and G- Judas, uh, you know, uh, died, committed suicide. Uh, they had to uh, appoint somebody else to take over Um for Judas's place. So I'll read real quick from Acts chapter 1. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers, the company of persons, who was in all about 120. He see, brothers, the scriptures had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David. Now, he's talking about the Psalms because David wrote the Psalms. And again, this is a Psalm of David, Psalm 109 of David concerning Judas. That's who we're talking about, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and allotted uh, his share in this ministry. Now this man acquired feel with the reward of his wickedness and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle and all his bowels gushed out. This is when he committed suicide, apparently. And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem Um so that the field was called in their own language, Al-Keldamah, Keldama, is, field of blood, for it is written in the book of Psalms. May his camp become desolate, and uh, let there be no one to dwell in it, and let another take his office. So they're talking about the other person that is going to take over for um, Judas. Uh, they cast lots that try to do it really um Sort of um, without favor. And it turned out that they replaced him with, uh, I can't pronounce his name right, but it's uh, Mathias, Matthias, M A T T H I A S. So that uh, was, so this is drilling down on who we're really talking about. In verse 9, may his children be fatherless and his wife a widow. May his children wander about and beg, seeking food far from the ruins they inhabit. So this is a psalm uh, talking about um, the humiliation of Christ. This is talking about how um, he was ridiculed and uh, what happened to uh, Judas and all of uh, Judas's family. And again, it just it just kind of gives a. Um, Another window that the fact that uh, when we reject God, when we are not in His presence, when we uh, don't accept His authority, um, um, it's a terrible place to be. It's, um, you know, the judgment, the wrath of God will be on those who um, who um, don't acknowledge Him. Um, it's just that the... the, the We take for granted the presence of God. So um, Psalm 109, it just deals with, uh, again, um, what Christ had to go through, what Christ had to endure, and then um, the judgment of those who um, testified against him, who said bad things against him, who tried to contribute to his um, being put to death, Uh, just a terrible, terrible place to be. Uh, when you um, are against the Lord, so that was the, the whole the whole psalm kind of deals with that. So I just picked out the high points for that. So uh, Psalm one hundred and ten, we go from the humiliation of Christ to the exaltation of Christ. This is um, um, lifting Christ up, and very interesting psalm here. It starts out it's another psalm of David. The Lord says to my Lord. Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool, okay, so the Lord capital l o r d says to my lord capital l little o r d okay, so the Lord, whatever the bible we were we said this before, whenever the Bible says capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that's in all caps, it's talking about the God Father in heaven. And the Lord with capital L, little o-r-d, talks about the Lord, meaning uh, Lord Jesus. So David is starting to talk about the Lord, Father in heaven, says to my Lord. In other words, Jesus is Lord. I mean, King David is saying he has a Lord, Jesus. So the Father in heaven, the Lord, says to my Lord, referring to Lord Jesus, this is what David's saying: Sit at my right hand. So the Father in heaven is talking to the Lord Jesus to sit at my hand until I make your enemies your footstool. So uh, David is implying that there will be a greater king than him, right off the bat. So um, this is an interesting um, uh, thing, and uh, we see this. Let's see if I can pull this up. Um, like over in Matthew verses twenty-two, this is another messianic psalm because it's quoted in the New Testament. So the Pharisees were gathering together; they're trying to trap Jesus. There, uh, so we see this in Matthew twenty-two verses forty-one. Now, the, while the Pharisees were gathered together, um, they well, right before this, they were trying to they were trying to get him into question. They were saying to him. Um, they were trying to get him to say who he was so jesus said to them verse 42 who do you think what do you think about the christ whose son is he they said to him the son of david so they were saying of course jesus would come from the lineage of david the son of david he said to them well how is it then that david in the spirit calls him lord saying the lord said to my lord sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If then David calls him lord, how is it he's his son? And no one was able to ask him a word answer him a word, nor from that day did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. So they were trying to they were trying to um trap him because he kept referring to the fact that um he was, uh, um, you know, implying that he might be um, the the son uh, of God or that he had a father in heaven uh, or that, you know, he was um, above uh, above David. So um, this is what uh, he is saying, that um, David was actually making reference to the father in heaven was uh, talking to his Lord, and so that there would be the one who would come after him would actually be his Lord, not just his son or offspring or like great-great-great-great-great-grandson or whatever, but then this offspring would be actually his Lord. So, verse 2, the Lord sends forth from Zion your mighty scepter. Again, this is the role of Christ. When he returns, he will reestablish his kingdom and be exalted. Rule in the midst of your enemies. Verse 3, your people will offer themselves freely on the day of your power in holy garments. Um, From the womb of the morning, the dew of your mouth will be yours. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now, who is Melchizedek? Well, it's talking about Jesus in his glory, okay? And um, he's talking about Jesus, you are a priest forever, okay? So, uh, and then it says down in verse 5, The Lord is at your right hand. He will shatter kings on the day of his wrath. He will execute judgment Among the nations, filling them with corpses, he will shatter chiefs over the wide earth. He will drink from the brook by the way. Therefore, he will lift up his head. So the thing that's really interesting is that this is Jesus reestablishing his kingdom. He's coming back not only uh, as, well, of course, when he came, he was this sacrifice. But when he comes back, he's going to come back in glory as a king, uh, as a ruler, who's going to execute judgment. You know, he's going to just reestablish law and order on earth. But also, uh, it's talking about that Jesus is a priest forever after the order of um, Melchizedek. And so, we see this also in Hebrews 5. Um, It's talking about Christ. Um, Verse 5, chapter 5. So also, Christ did not exalt himself to, to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. As he says also in another place, You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Okay? So, this is specifically talking about Jesus. Okay? So, the father is appointing the son to be a high priest forever after this order of Melchizedek. Now, who the heck is Melchizedek again? <laughs> so, um, so we see, um, the first reference to Melchizedek in the Bible is Genesis, Genesis 14. And we're going to be reading from 17 through 20. Um, and apparently this is, um, Abram uh I think this is Abram I think they um he was later called Abraham but Abram um he's rescuing Lot um I think Sodom and Gomorrah was getting ready to be destroyed as I understand it by uh by God the Father in heaven because it was such a wicked place and so Abram uh is rescuing Lot and then after um the, the after all, after this big defeat and everything uh the king it's the king of uh Sodom went out to meet him in the valley of uh Shaveh, uh that is the king's valley, and then this reference to and then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. he was priest of God most high, and he blessed him and said, "Bless him be Abram." Blessed be Abram by God most high, professor of excuse me possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand so um as best I can reference it, this Melchizedek was high priest uh of God most high and um another another reference to melchizedek was uh in in hebrews chapter 7 verse 1 it says for this melchizedek king of salem priest of the most high god met abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him and to him abraham apportioned a tenth part of everything he is first by translation of his name king of righteousness and then he is also king of salem that is king of peace so salem means peace so he's the king of salem meaning king of peace and melchizedek i believe means righteousness so this is um uh, he's the king of righteousness and the king of peace um he is first, by translation of his name, King of Righteousness. That's verse, um, still verse 2. And then he's also the King of Salem. That is King of Peace. He is without father or mother or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the Son of God, he continues a priest forever. So this is sort of a reference that Melchizedek might be Jesus, And from what some of the research I was doing, um, it's sort of uh, references are saying that maybe Melchizedek is sort of the pre-incarnate Jesus. In other words, Jesus appearing on the earth before he was born as a baby. Now, we also studied that uh, elsewhere in the Bible that Jesus did come and share the gospel with Abraham so that he would understand uh, the gospel. I think we were studying that back in, in when we were looking in Galatians that the gospel was even preached to Abraham. I think that was Galatians chapter 2 and I'm just going off memory. But anyway, uh, this is a really cool reference and I hope you know if you have time to study it a little bit more to study it, but I think it really uh, dives deeper into it in Hebrews chapter 7 starting in verse 1. So it talks about this this, this priest and this king of righteousness as well as a king of peace um, who is a priest forever. So this is Jesus exalted and it is a, he is a priest forever um, and uh, appointed by God. Okay, now we're going to change gears. We're going to start in Psalm 111. Uh, this... Uh, psalm 111 112 and 113 um are what dr mcgee calls as hallelujah psalms these are all psalms of praise they start off with they all three start off with the with the phrase praise the lord now what praise the lord uh is translated to uh hallelujah um so that is the uh in the hebrew for praise the lord so now you know a little Hebrew. So when you say praise the Lord all the time, you're, you're translating an actual Hebrew translation, which is cool. So verse, uh, one in Psalm 111, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. And this is beautiful. I just, I just think we have to stop here for just a minute. When you praise the Lord, when you, when you, um, when you worship, when you give praise to the Lord, You First of all, you have to be thankful. You have to give thanks. And we've said this over and over, but this is so succinctly saying it, that when you praise the Lord, you are first giving thanks for what you have received with your whole heart. That's pure worship. So, again... It's just pure worship is to be thankful that's the proper response to the blessings that we have been given It's the proper praise so I just uh it's just something that i always I feel like I need to um, always do um, uh, a little check on my own heart when I'm going to church or when I'm getting ready to worship I need to clear out all the clutter in my heart all the stuff that I'm worried about all the stuff that I want to have happen in my life right the worries about you know, children, or family, or job, or, you know, all the kind of things that are, you know, the physical things that you need, or your health, or all the different things that could be on your mind when you come to worship, that this just puts it really close. When you praise the Lord, be thankful. Be thankful for His blessings. Don't dwell on what you don't have. Dwell in what you have when you worship and worship with your whole heart. Don't worship like, uh, but thinking about the football game on the side or don't think of saying, oh, next week is my birthday or I can't wait to see what I'm going to get for Christmas. Worship with your whole heart because it's all about the Lord. It's not about us at all. So in the, in uh, and we'll continue in verse one, in the company of the upright in the congregation. So it's talking about like when you're worshiping, like if you're going to church or if you're worshiping with other people, worship with your whole heart to the Lord. It's not about you dressing up and looking really pretty or looking really nice. You know, it's not about you or me at all. It's worshiping your Lord with your whole heart. Verse 2, greater the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. So that's what kind of what we're doing right now. We're studying the works of the Lord in His Word. Verse 3, full of splendor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He's the only thing that's going to last. Verse 4, He has caused His wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear Him. Now, food could be food, regular food. All food comes from the Lord. And when we take our food, we, we bless it. We say grace over our food. We say a prayer over it because we want to be thankful for it. But also, it could be spiritual food too. Anybody who fears the Lord, that's the beginning of wisdom. Okay, And if you fear the Lord, you want to have food, the Lord will give you spiritual wisdom if you search for him. Verse 5 continues, he remembers his covenant forever. He's shown his people the power of his works and giving them the inheritance of the nations. Uh, We'll drop down to verse 9, he sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Verse 10. That was verse 10. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. So, those who want to be wise need to acknowledge the Lord and do it. You know, it's not like God is a scary person. You know, it's not like God is scary. It's just I don't think we do a good enough job acknowledging how awesome and powerful and great He is. You know, um, our our we were talking in our Sunday school school class um, earlier uh, yesterday about fear of God, and it's um it's been described. You know, one way to describe the fear of God is an awesome storm. You know, a cold cold storm and you've just come in out of the storm and you found shelter from the storm and you look out the window and you see how awesome the storm looks. You know, the storm is great, more stronger than stronger than you are and if you get out there you would, you know, w- you you can die in the storm because it's so powerful and our bodies are so frail. But you have this this refuge, this shelter from the storm and that's like what, what God does. God also is so strong, but he is also so merciful that he gives you this shelter, this shelter in his word, in his love and in Jesus Christ. So he shelters you from this, uh, this awesome power. And again, we are so frail. We are just mortal people. We will perish if we don't stay within his safe place. So, again, the presence of our Lord in our life is a protection. So, that's um, uh, the fear of, of, kind of the fear of the Lord, His understanding. So, uh, Psalm 112, we'll drop down. Again, praise the Lord. Again, another praise. Hallelujah. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. Now, so here we just acknowledge this right off the bat. Who greatly delights in His commandments. So again, the fear of the Lord is wisdom, the beginning of wisdom. Um, Verse 2, his offspring will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Now, that's not saying just because you believe in God, you're going to be wealthy. A lot of people preach that, you know, or because he promises you riches, you ought to live like you're wealthy, you know, it's okay to go into debt and just live rich because you're going to be rich when you get to heaven anyway. No, that's not it. That's kind of like this this uh, ministry or message of prosperity. God doesn't promise everybody who's going to be a Christian is going to be wealthy and good and, and well-off. No. Jesus gave everything up to the poor. Um, Jesus, you know, Gave everything up to even self-sacrifice. So God doesn't promise you everything's going to be happy. He's promising you wealth in heaven, riches in heaven. Not that you're just going to be, everybody's going to be a fat cat, wealthy person. It's just that his presence is that valuable to you. That's the wealth. Your faith is worth even more than gold. Why? Because you have the presence of God that saves your life. Um, verse 6, for the righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. Verse 9, he has distributed freely. He is given to the poor. His righteousness endured, endures forever. His horn is exalted in honor. So this God is gracious and merciful and righteous, will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. And that is how valuable His presence is to us. It's worth even more than all the riches that we can ever imagine because it's so, it's so valuable to our life. But this God, who's so awesome and powerful, has this mission to look after the poor and the meek. That's His nature. Psalm 113. Uh, Praise the Lord. Another hallelujah psalm. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. So God is just this eternal name that could be blessed, that should be blessed. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. We're supposed to praise the Lord all day long. The Lord is high above the mountains and His glory above the heavens. He is really far away from us, His glory. We can't even approach His glory. And that's why His presence to us is so valuable. Who is like the Lord our God who is seated on high, who looks far down on the heavens and the earth? He raises the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make Them sit with princes, with the princes of his people. He gives the barren woman a home, making her the joyous mother of children. Praise the Lord. This Lord is um, a chief priest who looks down with mercy and love on his people. And he is so far above us, so even his presence crushes our little bodies. Um, we He is so holy, we can't even approach Him. But yet, He, in His Word, establishes us a safe place to protect us. We have the presence of Jesus Christ. Now we have the presence of God to us. He's establishing this gift to us. And even though Maybe the folks in the Old Testament didn't truly appreciate it. This plan was in place. This plan was there. And this gift was being resolved all throughout the Old Testament till its appearance in the New Testament. And so that is just a a series of... um, Really encouraging psalms. I hope this was encouraging to you too. Especially that we've got this. um, I didn't really appreciate this chief priest appointed. And this reference to this Melchizedek. And you know. If that's. You know. If that's what the Bible says it is. You know. um, This Melchizedek priest. This chief priest. This reference to Jesus Christ. um, Appeared to, to Abraham. Jesus Christ, this presence of God on earth um, ministering there um, is just an amazing, an amazing window in God's nature, how he is um, trying to save every one of his sheep. So I hope these Psalms were helpful and encouraging to you. It certainly was to me. Uh, this is the part. where I'll turn it over to my co-host, Matali in Zambia. Matali, I hope you're doing well, and I look forward to hearing what you have to say with these psalms. Take care, and for me, God bless. I'll see you next time.
1: Hi. So today's teaching is coming from Psalms chapter one hundred nine to Psalms one thirteen. My main take from today's um teaching is coming from Psalms 112 and um it talks about God's commandments. Um so Psalms 112 verse one reads, "Praise the Lord. Blessed is he, the blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments." So for me, um if we delight in in the lord's commandments um we are blessed we we are following god's um god's um rules and laws that he's put in place to to guide us, so the commandments are like a mirror, so if we follow God's commandments, they show us exactly who we are, and um you know us being the imperfect people we are. We have to live by a certain set of guidelines to help us, um, guide us in, in the correct path and, and way. So Psalm 109 is um, to the chief musician, a Psalm of David, is the humiliation of the Lord. This is an imprecatory psalm. It's, it's a Judas psalm. So it reads... Do not keep silent, O God, of my praise, for the mouth of the wicked and the mouth of the deceitful have opened against me. They have spoken against me with a lying tongue. They have also surrounded me with words of hatred and fought against me without a cause. In return for my love, they are my accusers, and I give myself to prayer Thus they have rewarded me evil for good and hatred for love. Set a wicked man over and let an accuser stand at the right hand. When he is judged, let him be found guilty and let his prayer become sin. Let his days be few and let another take his office. Let his children be fatherless and his wife a widow. Let his children continually be vagabonds and beg. Let them seek their bread also from their desolate place. Let the creditors seize all that he has and let strangers plunder his labor. So um, so this particular psalm, is um it's a dreadful song. It was for Judas. So Judas was a lost man and it's so awful to be a lost man because um and especially if this prayer is is um is for the lost man. Um it's all the dreadful things um that can be wished upon one man. The the traitor, Judas Iscariot. So, um, you know, if we, we look in today's um, setup, there's so many lost men out there, but, um, you know, they're going to have a second chance. Christ bore the wrath of, of, of God for us. Because we couldn't bear it ourselves, if 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 um we had borne it ourselves, oh we wouldn't have survived it. Because we are not perfect, we are far from perfect, would have all perished. But because of the love God has for us, He sent His only Son to bear um, all our sins, and sin has consequences. And Christ bore God's wrath. He bore the rejection. Um, and the silence of God. He bore the rejection on earth and the silence of God um, at the time of his persecution. But he bore it all, and he bore it out of love. So um, if we look at John 3, verse 36, it reads, He who believes in the Son has a everlasting life, and he who does not believe, the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides in him. So if we believe in Christ, you know, the reward is everlasting life. So we have a choice right now. It's, it's not forced upon anyone, but we have to make that choice. Um, I mean, you choose Christ or, you know, you choose the earthly and um, you choose to reject God and you be a lost man and you, you end up like Judas. Psalms 110 is a is an exaltation of Christ. Um it's a deity it's a deity um of Christ. So it begins with the ascension of Christ and um it reads The Lord said to my Lord, so this is God speaking to God. Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion. Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people shall be volunteers in the day of your power. In the beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning. You have a new, you have a dew of your youth. The Lord has sworn and who not relent. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. So I'll drop down to verse 10. Sorry, oh yeah. So I'll drop down to the last verse. He shall drink of the brook by the wayside. Therefore, he shall <coughs> lift up the head. So this is... um. This is a beautiful psalm. It talks about, um, you know, Christ's ascension, the exaltation of of, of Christ. So the coming of Christ to rule Zion. And um, Zion, this is in verse verse 2. It says, The Lord shall send the rod and your strength out of Zion. Zion is going to be the center of government. It's a place where... You know, Christ is gonna rule from verse three. God will will have more people saved. Um, just remember, God's not true with with us. He's not true with you and me. More people are gonna be saved than um, the people are saved currently. So, um, you know, the high priest is um, is gonna be after the order of. Melchizedek and um, he's coming Christ is coming on the way to judgment verse 11 is a hallelujah psalm it's uh, an acrostic um, psalm it's it's, it's perfectly um, ordered in alphabetical order according to the Hebrew alphabet and um, it's a hallelujah psalm it's basically just a, pra- a psalm of praise and I especially like um The last verse which says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do His commandments. His praise endures forever. So, you know, God's commandments are are there to act as a mirror in our life to show us um, if it says, you know, thou shalt not commit adultery and you commit adultery, it basically just shows you a mirror of who you are. Um, so, if we begin to fear the Lord, that's the beginning of wisdom. And it begins by a praise. Praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart. This is an alleluia um, praising psalm. So, it's a joyful psalm. Um, it's a psalm to praise the Lord every day for his righteousness, for his grace and his mercy. Because um, God is good all the time. And all the time God has been good to us. Psalms 113 is another hallelujah psalm. It's, an hallel, it's a halal psalm. Um, this is... Um, this was a psalm that was sung on the Passover and um it was sung at Pentecost, the Tabernacle Feast, and um they sang all these songs. We should praise the Lord and um and um we'll have praise that will never be exhausted. So this Psalms 113 it reads Praise the Lord, praise, O servants of the Lord, praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord, praise this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to the going down, the Lord's name will be praised. The Lord is high above all nations. His glory above the heavens, who is like the Lord our God. He dwells on high, who humbles himself to behold the things that are in the heavens and in the earth. He raises the poor out of dust and lifts the needy out of ash heap. So he's coming for for the poor, for the people who've been treated unjustly. He is coming and you know those are God's people. Goes on to read that he may seat him with the princes, with the princes of his people, he grants the barren woman a home. Like a joyful mother of children. Praise the Lord. This is a beautiful psalm. It's time to praise the Lord, you know? It's time for us to tell somebody about how good God is. And, um, you know, when we tell somebody how good God is, let's back it up with experience. You know, let's look at all the wonderful things that God has done for us. This is a, a good praising psalm, which, um, which um, I believe we should, we should always look to and, um, and continue praising the Lord. So um, yeah, so for me, my main take is um you know, the commandments just are a mirror, and they just show us who we are, um, you know, the fear of the lord is is, is um, the beginning of wisdom, a good understanding. Have all those who do his commandments and his praise in forever, so thank you all for listening and um God bless and bye-bye.